Hello, and welcome to the Dustin Eric Podcast Show, brought to you by Mimosa Networks. Hi, I'm Dustin. I'm Eric. And today we're on part two of episode 11, Site Planning, Installation Planning, and Interference. So, uh, last episode we discussed uh, a high view of site planning, installation planning, interference. Uh, we mentioned some keywords, harmonics and DFS. So, if you guys want to talk about uh, harmonics real quick, kind of explain what that means. Yeah, it's a small musical instrument. No, just kidding. Uh, well, harmonic harmonics are essentially just that. It's uh, signals that uh, are in within a certain uh, frequency spread. So what happens is you have a harmonic of, say, 2.4 gigahertz. So the next harmonic would, could be in uh, 4.8. So just take the signal or the frequency uh, number and then just double it. Either double it or, or subtract it and cut tip, it in half. Cut yeah. it in half, and you will see a harmonic literally showing up on the spectrum analyzer. So, a quick question here. So, if I'm at 900 megahertz, I double it to 1800. Yep. Mm-hmm. I double that again to 36, yep. or do I go to 27? It's all dependent upon the quality of the transmitter. Uh, a low quality transmitter will most often have multiple harmonics, whereas a higher quality transmitter will uh, not have as many. So it really depends on that. So it's, you're taking a, uh, the fundamental frequency and, again, doubling it for a second, third, fourth order harmonic. So they're just multiples of the primary frequency, mm-hmm. right? the operating frequency, or halves thereof. So I know uh, a lot of customers ask what DFS is, and they don't know what that means. So can we talk a little bit about what DFS stands for the acronym and what it means and why they have to deal with it? Well, you know, DFS uh, is a uh, frequency, um, stands for uh, dynamic frequency selection. And as a wireless operator, you are actually considered a secondary operator. So the radar uh, usage on DFS channels uh, has a primary operation within that frequency. So if you're near a time Doppler weather radar, military site, or aviation uh, location, either airplanes above or an airport, they have primary use of that frequency. If you are a operator, a wireless operator, you uh, kind of get the back seat to those frequencies, meaning that uh, if there is a frequency detected uh, on the radar, um, we'll say 5600 time Doppler uh, weather radar, and you are occupying that channel, what will happen is, by law, under FCC, you have to immediately vacate that channel. And so it's really important to consider that when you are trying to operate a wireless network, um, that you will lose uh, lose connectivity during that time of a what we call a radar hit. And that can uh, definitely cause troubles if your customer is expecting to have uh, service during that time. So I have a question for the whole group here. So when planning a network out and choosing your spectrum, would you want your backhauls to be on DFS or would you want your point-to-multipoint system to be on DFS because it's a shorter shot? It's probably best not to have your backhauls on DFS. If you are limited with the amount of uh, frequencies available and you have a dual radio like a B5 or B5C, 
Uh, one of the recommendations we have is to choose one DFS channel and then choose one non-DFS channel. In the rare event that a DFS radar hit occurs, you're not going to lose the entire link. The, uh, you'll see a drop in service as far as uh, your throughput, but you will not lose total connectivity. What about you, Art? What would you do? Would you do DFS on your backhauls, or would you just do that on point the multipoint? So, it, so if possible, uh, in either case, you, you don't want you don't want either situation because, in one case, you lose clients, or in another case, you lose your your main link. So, if you can avoid it, if you can actually use non-DFS for both, that's the ideal. So, um, with our product, if you, if there's a DF, if there's a radar hit. The intent is basically not to lose a connection, so it'll drop you to a non-DFS channel. Mm-hmm. But you, if your non-DFS channel is completely, if you've limited, if you basically uh, um, restricted that channel, or if it's completely inundated with noise, then your performance is going to drop anyway. Right. Uh, you could you consider uh, reducing bandwidth as well if it's super, you get pushed around, it's really crowded. So if you if you can, uh, uh, what I was, what we suggest are suggest to our customers is if you can use a non-DFS channel and but you can only use in one by 40 that's still better off than do than using a noisy one by 80 channel where you're going to lose a lot of uh, okay. a lot of performance okay so because we're talking about DFS channels um, there's several terms out there uni 1 uni 2 uni 3 UNNI dash 1 2 and 3 which kind of correspond with the parts of the 5 gig band uh, do you guys want to talk about uh, what those mean and uh, which frequencies are in which uh, band? And power power limitations. And, and power limitations. Sure. I mean, well, we, we can start with uh, um, you, your DFS channels really fall into Uni2, and uh, you're basically your ERP limits um, are, are ca- – so usually those frequencies are, have less interference, less noise, because less users are on them because they keep – You'll basically jump from uh, from one uh, channel to the next uh, with dynamic frequency selection, uh, but the downside is you are limited in power when you hit those uh, those channels. So it's a trade-off. Either you use a non-DFS channel, which is Uni One or Uni Three, or you select the Uni Two channel with less noise but also less less power, um, which will limit your performance as well. Where can I where can I find the five gig spectrum with with the Uni One Two? Uh, layouts DFS. Oh, uh, uh, oh! Uh, if you go to our help uh, our help site, uh, just type in the ERP or uh, um, yeah, ERP limits. You'll definitely pull up a uh, under backhaul. So help dot help dot under backhaul and type in ERP. So uh, backing up here just a little bit back to our design tool. When you're uh, designing uh, an actual radio link, does uh, the design tool take into account? what frequency you, you're wanting to use, and does that back the power off on uh, the overall result of what you're expecting? Yeah, you can actually do that through the link settings on the design tool. The beauty of the design tool is that you can adjust it pretty much to what you want. Uh, we've purposely done that so that customers that are in different countries can adjust it accordingly. Um, so you know, keep that in mind when you do a design that you just don't use the default settings, but in fact, go in and tweak each of the of the values, whether it's TX power or the channel, so forth. So it's going to take a little foreknowledge as far as what the regulations are for the country that you're operating in. But uh, go into link settings and do that so that you can design a, a link 
based on the location and just not um, based off of uh, you know the default settings there. Good point, Jeff. Because under licensed and un licensed and unlicensed, there's different uh, ERP limitations. So that's right. Yeah. Also, uh, I don't think we covered this, but uh, rain fade. We want to take rain fade or rain fade zones into account when we're designing our link. Uh, the cool thing is, is the design tool kind of already takes that into account, but you can play with your link settings and increase or decrease rain fade as you see fit to help give you a better estimate on uh, how well your link will survive during heavy rainfall. Does, does it default, when I go in there, does it have a default for my geographic location already? It does. Approximate percentage of... Uh, yeah, yes. Brain, yeah. That's pretty cool. So uh, for those of you who are in the, the the south or up north where it rains a lot, you know, the tool pretty much already knows the mm -hmm. average rainfall. But again, you can max that out and see exactly how you can uh, perform, uh, especially important for the B24 or any higher frequency mm -hmm. radios that <coughs> will fade or drop out completely in rain depending on the distance of your link. Um, do you want to talk about your, your B24 on the tower competing with uh, other space? Yeah, well, since you're talking about B24, one of the things that we've seen is uh, folks using the B24s next to competing technologies, other manufacturer radios. The benefit of the B24 with the GPS sync is that you can co-locate with other Mimosa radios. The downside of it is that um, other technologies or other competing uh, manufacturers do not use or share the same technologies that we do. So uh, one of the challenges that you can have when designing or planning your network is to make sure that you understand what the tower has on it if there's other uh, 24 gigahertz systems or 10 or 11 gigahertz systems or in this case even 5 gigahertz systems that you uh, take into consideration uh, that you may not have full reign of the frequencies that you would like. So, again, I can't uh, stress enough that it's very important to know the RF environment prior to start hanging equipment onto the tower. So, Great again, picture. yeah, yeah like you see in this picture here, that you're going to have to share uh, frequencies with other, um, other manufacturer radios. So you have physical space on this tower and the tower next to it, but you might not have space in the spectrum to actually deploy yeah, it. That's right. Uh, of course, you can't really tell what these are from the picture, but that's why you have to go visit the site, uh, probably climb or take your drone up, get vendor names and you know part numbers and try and figure out what that is, or use your spectrum analyzer to see exactly what you have on the tower. You can also request uh, for some of these uh, tower sites from the uh, property or site manager, the uh, layout and who's who has the, uh, the the real estate on the tower itself, and they'll usually have uh, different uh, different frequencies or different spectrums and, and who's at X heights. They'll have the height layouts, the uh, integrated radios or separate antenna and radio uh, layouts for each one. Sometimes they're updated, sometimes they're uh, not current, but it gives you an idea who's living on the tower and uh, where they're operating at. Just out of an idea, if nobody does this, but this would be great if on the back of the antenna, so somebody actually wrote who, who's the, who, which company's actually installed this, or who to contact if you want right. to, if you have yeah, issues that, or questions. That or, would be nice. Some <laughs> companies do that, but not a lot do. Hey, and Mimosa puts an orange M as a, a nice big 
flag on the front. <laughs> so they so so hopefully that's helping some folks that are dialing in and say, hey, hey, Mimosa, we're you know, we've got a couple of radios on our tower. Can we squeeze in a couple uh, for our own? But they'll call us and not the actual right. installer. So we, yeah, we will know. You know, uh, since we're talking about co work. yeah, since we're talking about right. co-location, another yeah. thing that we see a lot of is uh, customers where they install the equipment on the tower, and the antenna from the competing technology or just another vendor, or it can even be our stuff, uh, where it's shining into the in other antenna. So uh, antenna radiation pattern overlap is very important to consider that your antennas are not uh, in self-interfering yeah. with um, creating uh, SP errors or some of the other issues that you can have where signal is actually corrupting uh, or in this case another radio is corrupting the signal of another radio so be sure that your in antennas are not overlapping as far as the radiation patterns uh, we like to see uh, no less than 80 percent uh, overlap so uh, one one last thing here to talk about is uh, different antennas have different what's called front to back ratios right and even front to side ratios so uh, it's best to try and get an antenna that has a, a really high front-to-back ratio where you're not causing mm -hmm. interference for if you're co-located antennas with yourself or with other people that are located around you on the tower as well. So uh, there's, there's antenna manufacturers out there who make higher front-to-back ratio antennas than others, but uh, usually you're going to spend a little more money for the better quality mm -hmm. antenna. So it, it depends on uh, the spectrum and what you're trying to do, but it's always best to try to be considerate for the other folks that are on that tower as well. Sure. We have a really great document online, a uh, co-location document, uh, really geared towards this subject that um, it would be a good reference document if you haven't read it already. All right, guys. So we'll go ahead and end this show here. Uh, I just want to uh, let our listeners and viewers know that Mimosa is now offering training for uh, this type of stuff. Uh, our first training will be at Wispapalooza in Las Vegas uh, this year, uh, 2018. So feel free to sign up for that. You can go to our website and do that and uh, get some hands-on training and some, some training on backhaul and our access products. Uh, actually, Jeff and I will be running that training, so it'll be good to see you guys there if you are interested in doing that. Uh, but otherwise, uh, that's it. The show covered uh, site planning, installation planning, interference. Uh, two part. Make sure you watch the first part. You know it's uh, important to watch them both together. So uh, anyway, we'll see you on the next episode of our show. And we'll see you at the live podcast at Wispapalooza 2018. Live, October 9th. Anyway, he'll, he'll be fashionably early. I'll, I'll be. I'll we'll, be there. We'll be I'll, at the we'll Mimosa party on Monday. Yeah. Wispapalooza Monday. So our, our next show will be about antenna selection and alignment. So they'll talk more about the, the front-to-back ratios and, and things like that. So, uh, all right, guys. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Please hit the subscribe or follow button to stay up to date with our latest podcast, which will be available on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.